Welcome to the Redemptive Parenting Podcast, where we aim to encourage and equip parents in wisdom with hope and the gospel for the everyday. I am Kristen Hatton, your host for another guest episode as part of the Not Alone series. Last episode, you heard from Heather McFadden on Don't Mom Alone, and today you're in for another special treat with my friend Carrie Trotter on Don't Suffer Alone. Carrie is a speaker, writer, coach's wife, mom, friend, and currently a grad student. She was also recently diagnosed with MS. In light of her diagnosis, but also just the everyday trials and suffering of life, she's here to visit about vulnerability, dependence, community, and faith. Carrie, welcome. I'm excited about this conversation with you. Hello. It's so good to be with you today. I just love your heart and I love um, how you are modeling this series, not to be alone and all the things. Uh, So it's an honor to be here with you today. Well, thank you. And I know I just gave the flyover introduction of who you are, which was was... incredibly generous. (laughs) No, there's so much more I know. So I'd love for you to elaborate a bit. So everyone knows a little more about the things you're passionate about, where you live and your family. Okay. Yeah. Like you introduced, my name is Carrie Trotter and my husband, Toby and I have been married for almost 19 years in November. Uh, We have three children, Cade, Ainsley, and Shelby. So got 15, 13, and 10. Uh, So kind of in the middle of not driving, but sort of independent, late elementary school, uh, middle school, and upper school, high school. So kind of in the throes of that and loving it. And that's Um, busy. When you have kids spread out between all those different school levels, that's a lot. It is a lot. It is high activity. I feel like we swung back from when they were babies. You know, it's real physical. You're physically keeping them alive, but then you shift in those teen, preteen years and it's so mental and emotional and spiritual. So we're really in the thick of that. And Toby and I are loving leaning into difficult conversations where they're forming their own personalities and minds and God's showcasing his will. And I just, I love eating up. And so it's been a fun season, but um, yes, we are, my husband coaches football. We are currently at Trinity Christian Academy in Addison, Texas. We, I will say that we've moved six times in 18 years. We've always been in the athletic profession. There were a few years where Toby was a professional sports agent. He's worked for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he was the TCU football chaplain. Uh, but football coaching has always been our number one passion. And I say ours mm-hmm. because I obviously... I'm not a coach. (laughs) I have uh, pursuits. Coaching is not our identity as a whole. I have plenty of pursuits um, that God has cultivated and I've done independent from coaching and the coaching lifestyle. But I will say we have always viewed coaching football as a calling. And especially with Toby being the head of our household, it has been an honor and a privilege as his wife to walk alongside him and encourage him. And I've always viewed coaching and collaborating in that space with him. <laughs> Not that, although sometimes I feel like I know just as much about the X's and O's. Probably do. <laughs> Watched a lot of football, but there is a component of co-laboring for the gospel. And this is a catalyst to do that. Uh, and I think there are two parts. There's parts he brings and parts that I bring and the kids bring um, to the table. But yeah, so we have just recently moved. We were uh, in Arkansas for two years and I would say Texas is home for us as a married couple. We've bounced around here the most. 
So anyway, that's our current um, situation. And like you said, we've navigated um, navigating a lot of things, being a wife and a mom, going to graduate school, getting my master's from Dallas Theological Seminary in apologetics and evangelism, really, really valuing learning about what it is we believe and why we believe it. And one of the things that I valued a lot, my systematic theology professor said, was apologetic. It's for the believer to understand what we believe and why we believe it. In this day and age, man, whew, nothing could be more important as a parent, as a human, as a wife, as a woman. I mean, just pick your poison and it, the upline of what is it I believe and why do I believe it? So I've really valued learning, putting myself in a posture to learn has been really good especially in light of being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis this year. That is in its own unique way presented a beautiful opportunity uh, for me to know what it looks like when, yes, we are presented with an opportunity to suffer. Are we going to suffer well? And certainly it is not favorable to suffer alone. So learning how to do that well under the umbrella of apologetics and what it is we believe and why do we believe it has been really, really cool um, to see how God's impact that this year. Mm, you have a lot on your plate. <laughs> apologetics is something that sounds so big. Like we don't really scary. understand what that word means, but <laughs> yeah. like you said, there's nothing more relevant. We need to know what we believe. And so how providential that God has you in that class right now is you probably have lots of doubts with what Definitely. are you good what in the like, actual what? world is going on yes. yes yes exactly so I'm just excited to hear more about how that looks fleshed out in your life I have to just add that we finally got to meet in person at a football yes. camp in Tulsa yeah. back in the summer football uh, mamas. yes we are and so admire how you are a coach's wife. I just, I love that co-laboring side oh, him nice. and just the way you view it. But as we've right. talked about, and I'll just share with the listeners, we have so, so many things in common. We, between Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Canacut camps, like we were <laughs> destined to meet. I love it. <laughs> but for several years, we've just been connected online and I've just really admired your boldness and proclaiming truth and the ways mm -hmm. you seek to build up and encourage others and live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Oh, oh that is so kind and generous. Oh. I'm a mess and no. all it's just to spill a glass of water. You can't put back in the cup, but Wait, you know what? It's we're all broken. And so to have it all together or pretend like we do is what are we witnessing to like our own perfection? No. I mean, it's like okay. out of our brokenness that God uses us. So I just really appreciate just your honesty. I've just observed just online, just through your moves and marriage is hard. And now you have an yes. illness that's hard life is hard. So I, just, <laughs> I love that you don't sugarcoat that while at the same time you just cling to and continue to praise Jesus's name. So mm, I love that. I don't yeah. know if you want to just drop us into your story around the yeah. diagnosis, like whatever makes the most sense for where to get started. Yeah. I would love that. And I love what you said. I'll just kind of slip in right there and then sure. backtrack to what my story and testimony is just in my current season. But um, I think it takes a definite release of pride to reveal suffering. There is no way to sugarcoat 
that the world is broken. It just is. And us being in a broken world as humans makes the whole thing broken. So even in our best laid plans and our best attempt, I'm still coming with humanness. So it's life on life, mess on mess. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think releasing that pride and kind of like dropping the rope basically to God and saying, Hey, it just is what it is. And I, I do also believe there's a finesse of discernment uh, and knowing oneself, knowing thyself in this day and age to sharing vulnerably. I don't think it's just like a word vomit. I don't think it's a vulnerability vomit that's most edifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think prayerfully considering and just revealing, I think that's the best thing is just, hey, it's already here. I'm not fooling anybody. Might as well just let weakness be revealed and just um, not walk around fainting and so sad all the time. God doesn't want that either, but he also wants us to express where we're being desperate and dependent. The best thing for me is always to progress through scripture because I don't have it in it myself, but I love the progression from Genesis 1, Psalms 34 and 2 Corinthians 12. And Genesis 1, 2 says, God hovers over the deep waters. Then if you jump to Psalm 34, 18, it says, God is most present with the brokenhearted. And if you jump again to 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, God is abundant power. His abundant power is made perfect in our weakness. Well, that means three things. I have to reveal I'm in deep waters. I can't do it without him. I have to reveal that my heart is broken sometimes and I need him to be near to me. And then ultimately I have to reveal that I've got weakness at play and his power is the only thing that is going to help make it make sense or get me through, which ultimately leads to my own personal testimony right now. February 19th of 2021, we just experienced Snowmageddon. Texans will remember that. (laughs) Snowmageddon, well, the world will because we all freaked out. So we were in our house for a week. You know, thankfully nothing crazy was happening for our house, but I think God knew what was about to happen. So we kind of just held us safe. We didn't lose power or water or anything. Mm. But that entire week, my body felt terrible. In hindsight, obviously I was struggling with multiple sclerosis without intervention, uh, but had no idea. But as a woman and a mom and a wife and, and snowmageddon and COVID and you just keep on keeping on. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, there's no time for this. I I gotta just, Hey, wake up, pump a little bit more coffee, maybe take a power nap. I'm sure I'll be fine. Pumps the vitamins. I'm good. And which is what I was doing. Well, I was in a conversation with my husband we were talking, the snow was kind of melting. There were some things that we were going to drive to. So we were kind of coordinating plans. And in that moment of talking with Toby, I felt tremendous pressure start to happen. And I went blind. Uh, I did not lose consciousness. I did not pass out. Uh, But as I was talking to Toby in a circular way, the lights went out and I told Toby, I can't see you. I can't see you. And then I heard Toby say, I can see you. It's okay. Everything's fine. And it was probably all of maybe 15, 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then my sight went back out circular and I saw Toby again, saw my daughter Ainsley was standing uh, there on the right side of my face, shoulder, arm, leg was numb. Mm -hmm. Accelerate the timeframe. And by the time I, of course, because you say, oh, I, oh, I don't know. That was weird. I literally went blind and the right <laughs> side of my face went numb, but I'm like, I'm sure I'm fine. I, it's um, like a stroke symptom. So that's what I was going to say. Accelerate. I was admitted to the hospital as having had a stroke. My blood pressure was 180 over 121, uh, which was almost a mercy in the sense that it was a controlled 
burn almost for my body where the Lord, I felt his peace truly. Uh, Even the moment I was going blind for those 15, 20 seconds, I felt in that moment, the Holy Spirit assure me it's okay. Everything's okay, but this has to happen. And he was right. It did just accelerate the story. even more, I was admitted to the hospital four days and a battery of testing, blood work scans, PT, OT evaluations. It was ultimately discovered I was suffering from multiple sclerosis. Just means multiple scars. That's literally what sclerosis mm. means, scars. I did not know that. Um, which is kind of beautiful. You know, you just realize, man, I'm just walking around with scars all over my body, literally internally and externally. Oh, <laughs> it's just yeah. can't get away from that. And multiple sclerosis is just your nerves are coated with something called myelin sheath. And in multiple sclerosis, it's a under the umbrella of autoimmune. And my body fights against the protective covering of my nerves. And it just, sometimes the myelin sheath coat just slips off. Um, it creates what's called a lesion in my brain and my spine. Right now, I currently have 10 dormant lesions in my brain and one dormant lesion on my spine, which just means they got angry and then they chilled out. Mm, <laughs> and, okay. and, and then the goal is just to keep those suppressed. That's kind of a synopsis. So that's been our last almost seven months. It's just discovering that my body was relaxing and remitting probably for the better half of 10 years without me knowing that specifically. And then when the lesion went live on my spine on February 19th, it affected a lot of things with my nervous system. Uh, For a couple of weeks, I had trouble walking, motor skills, weakness, sight, but thankfully got all of that reconciled. So I would fall into the category still of relapsing remitting. And that's currently where my body is. Honestly, it's been an invitation to be desperate and dependent on Jesus. Yeah. I mean, what else can we do? <laughs> Nothing. Seriously. And like you said, when, from that verse, we are weak, he is strong for us, but, but we don't normally live like that until all of a sudden we're forced to. That's right. Um, it's hard. So you posted on Instagram about endurance mm-hmm. and hope. And I have mm-hmm. to tell you, my husband and one of my sons and I all have a tattoo with the Greek word for endurance. I love so it. I can look at my wrist and remember like Romans yeah. five, three through five, that suffering produces mm-hmm. endurance and endurance character and character hope. Mm-hmm. And James one mm-hmm. through four, consider it joy when we face trials and yes. Hebrews 12 two, let us run with endurance and fix our mm-hmm. eyes on Christ. But this idea of enduring in the hard, embrace the suck is how my husband says it in this world. Like it's, it's not easy. So Mm -hmm. I would love for you to just talk a little bit about what it looks like to endure as God is sustaining you as he has been sustaining you in particular these last seven months. Mm -hmm. I think you said it. And we say, sometimes it's like a wet sand run. Like, you know, Mm. you're just running through wet sand. I mean, you're like, ugh. I think you are spot on to say that we love to say it. We love to express, yes, I want to be desperate, dependent on God, but to be almost like, it's almost like a room that gets open to you. And I felt that way, uh, February 19th, it was a guttural surrendering and submission. Whoa, I have truly called on you for salvation, but at this point in this crucible, I am clinging to you to be desperately dependent. And I think being honest as you can, like blunt delivery we've in the last seven months, I think one of the things that we as a family unit 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we refer to ourselves as the Trotter tribe. And most people think that's just a cute hashtag, although it does work out for us yeah. <laughs> for that. But tribe is actually the highest form of connection. If you look it up, it tribe means the highest form of vulnerability and connection. You have to be exposed. You have to, you're fighting together. You're bleeding together. You're coming together. You're building together. Um, and with that, we've had to be extremely clear, blunt delivery. I'm really grieving today. Blunt delivery. I'm, I'm sad that this happened. Blunt delivery. I'm, I'm really struggling with insecurity and self-doubt blunt delivery. I I feel afraid to be a friend again. And I think when you can get over the hump of just kind of, and it's pride, right? It's just like, oh, it gets up in my crawl and steps on my toes. I'm like, oh, now you're just messing. God, I don't want to talk about me being prideful, but that's what it is. Whenever I'm withholding ultimately the gift of exposing what I'm ultimately going through. There's a church here in Dallas and I love their mission statement. It's on their hallways. And it says something to the effect of, oh, that we would come into the unexpected joy of being desperately dependent Mm. on Jesus. And it is joy. It is joy. And it even says in John that Christ endured the suffering ultimately for our abiding joy. If we do not follow suit with him. And I think in the day and age we live in, I've learned a lot in the last several months about suffering and suffering well and suffering the way Christ has invited us to suffer, which ultimately produces intimacy with him. There's a lot that people just don't want to suffer. And I get it. Our times are hard. It is hard. I do not want the bad. I would not ask for multiple sclerosis. I would not ask for the pains in marriage that Toby and I have experienced. I would not ask for multiple moves where you're starting over and trying to calibrate again and build something again. I would not ask or invite those. However, to reject the offering of learning deeper about what it means to be desperately dependent on God, that makes it just, it's such a limited human experience. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. you're limiting your own ability to be keenly aware of God at play and miracles happening. And you have to use a level of discernment to know what to share, when to share it, what space to share it in. I think you have to go from uh, just the model that Jesus gave us. You know, we had the Trinity, we had himself, the father, the Holy spirit, and that was as intimate as you could get. And then you go from there and he's got three disciples that he just really leans into and invites into spaces. That's like really intimate and creates very deep friendship. Then he has 12 after that. Mm-hmm. And he dialogues with them and understands content that they can understand and expresses vulnerability with them. And then you go out from there and he has hundreds and thousands. And I think sitting with yourself and kind of listing those out, what are those is really important because we'll all be met with a point of crisis. It's inevitable. We're on a broken globe with broken people. Crisis is inevitable. Absolutely. I loved how you reframe the way that we think about suffering as joy, because we read that. Mm-hmm. And I think we think that's impossible. How, how is that? <laughs> and like you said, we wouldn't pick these things no. except mm-hmm. that God in his upside down kingdom kind of way yep. brings us joy and grows us nearer to him through that. That's it right. takes trials and tribulation and suffering mm-hmm. to know him. And then we don't want to miss the miracle. There's a story, it's in Luke 5, and it's where Jesus basically is inviting Peter to be a disciple. But he finds him walking on the beach, and he says, but I just need to use your boat. And Peter's like, okay, fine, use my boat. So he hops in the boat. 
and Jesus teaches from the shoreline so everybody can hear him. And Peter's not a part of that part of the story. He's just like, yeah, use my boat, whatever. He's exhausted because he's fished all night. He's caught nothing. He's trying to clean his boat. Then some guys asking to use his boat. He's teaching. He's like, what even is going on? And then, then in divine sovereignty and knowing us better than we know ourselves, he turns to a tired, exhausted, depleted Peter and says, Hey, now let's go out in the deep for a catch. And you know, it is like, you just said what? I mean, you know, <laughs> like in our humanness, we're like, dude, that is not going to happen. Like I'm exhausted. And I love Peter's vulnerability to say, okay, here's my situation. Let me tell you about my situation, God. Like I have fished all night and caught nothing. So that means I have no provisional care for the day. That means I'm panicked about tomorrow. That means I'm exhausted physically. That means I'm questioning my abilities, my giftings, my, I'm questioning everything about my life. And here you've just said, let's go try again, not superficially, but even deeper. And Peter expresses all that in the statement, we fished all night and caught nothing. But then he has some, he says something that is the pivot. We all truly, if we can just have mind, a mind's eye to hear and an imagination to believe, he says, but at your word, I will go out for a catch. And I think that's the, the thing that just jukes our suffering from just raw pain hmm. to like the potential for a miracle, even just like in and of ourselves, like an intimacy miracle. I mean, it makes me fearful yeah. because I think about how many moments in the last seven months where God, I'm like, no. My entitledness is just like, I do not want to do more. I do not want to know more. I do not want to experience more. I do not want to be tested more. And almost in Jesus, just enduring way, he just says, no, come out to the deep with me. Mm-hmm. And I promise you it's for a catch. He doesn't leave us without promises. He says, it's for a catch. Now I'm the one that's deciding what the catch looks like, <laughs> but come with me for a catch. And I am telling you, there are too many, many miracles that we miss, that I'm convicted I miss because I'm just like, no, I just can't. And I think Jesus has capacity for our just like, I just don't want to just our like intolerance of suffering. But he says with those, just that enduring compassion, don't miss the miracle. I've got, I've got something for you. And it's an invitation to intimacy, but you have to shift your brain. You, you just, you can't think about what you're seeing in front of you, even when you know, for me personally, like autoimmune, I can look a certain way, but feel an entirely different way. And that's hard in and of itself too, to look one way with autoimmune where it's like, well, you look fine, yeah. but to feel a certain way on the inside, that's just like, oh my gosh, I can't stop, you know, shaking or my pain, or it's just like my cognitive functionality is different. All those things where it's no different than us and our sin, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I can look one way and be upside down in sin cycles. You know, absolutely. I mean, I just think Jesus came and he suffered in this world so that he could understand us and our stuff. I mean, he, he came into that with us and then he is, then he's with you in it. So, I mean, there's a couple different aspects of not suffering alone, primarily like we're not alone because Mm -hmm. Jesus is with us in it. And then the other side of it, like you said, you can look perfectly healthy on the outside to, to the world. And yet all this stuff is going on inside of you. And yet we have this invitation to invite others into our suffering with us and we need them. It's hard to be vulnerable and ask for help. And we think that we don't want to burden people or we don't want people kind of like happy 
people that everything's going well, you know? (laughs) So when we're in the middle of a trial and we can feel very alone and yet we need to call upon other people to join us in that. And of course we all have different personalities, but how would you challenge us just to see the need for inviting people into that suffering with us? I love what my grandmother told me years ago. And it's so funny because she'd want to just slip me a little, little folding money is what she would say, you know, just something, just go yourself to something. <laughs> so sweet. And I would always be like, oh no, you know, I don't need to, you know, and she said, don't deny me the right to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was convicting because I think my biggest thing that I'm learning is when we don't invite others in, we're producing a spirit of self-reliance. And we're also projecting that onto other people that they should be self-reliant, that Mm. they shouldn't depend on others either. And that's not true. And we can't survive like that. A couple of quick things that I would just say that like boots on the ground would be, be as clear as you can. Like I said, it, it is good to define. I mean, scribble out on a piece of paper. These are my three. If you don't have three, 12, Hey, start praying. God, help me see who are my people who are around me. God, give me eyes to see. That's a humble prayer that the Lord will not. He will answer that prayer. He wants us to be gathered in his name. So he will answer that prayer. But if you do, if you have done the work to know who your people are, I think not worrying about how you have to let go of how you'll be perceived. I think that's been my biggest thing. I just am like, Oh, don't, don't look at me as a needy codependent person, but I could be. So, you know, just being honest enough to say I could be struggling with this, but I also have a need. I think sometimes we just don't want to be perceived as broken, which again, how many times I've, how many times do I say, Hey, I could be overly needy right now, but this is where I'm at. And someone's like, Hey, no, girl, I was there last week. Don't even, yes. Happy to help. Happy to press in. Um, And I have learned a lot um, from that. I think be humble. We have to be humble and have to pray. God, give me a spirit of humility to ask for someone to pick up the kids. All right. I just don't do all the things or right now I'm in a season where I can't sign up for all the things that, you know, right now I'm in a, a season of just, I can be really particular about what I can show up to and be prepared to show up all the way in those things. I think letting go of you know, we're a coaching family. So the house is highly (laughs) imperfect, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of times we want boys and football players to come over the house and just letting go and just letting it be what it is. And yes, having a spirit of excellence, but then also just being like, Hey, it is what it is. Inviting other people in to help with that saying, Hey, I would love for someone to help give this or help provide this for then if you like flip it mm-hmm. and you're the one, because we all have an opportunity to give and receive. Yes. Yes. I've gotten most questions about what, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say if someone's struggling or suffering, I want to help, but then I'm so paralyzed by saying or doing the wrong thing. Yes. Good. And, that was going to be my next question. Yes. And my answer would be go and do whatever is on your heart to do, do. And it is, if they don't receive it well, or Honestly, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it comes back it full circle to the humility piece where it's like, be humble enough to say, Hey, I was wrong. I chose wrong. I did wrong, but I am here. And if you, if, and when you need something, you got it. Um, I think giving with no strings attached, and that means sending a text message with no strings attached. Mm. Like I'm not expecting that person to get back to me because they may not. And it may have nothing to do with you. It may have everything to do with, I just, and I'm a word junkie, but there have been weeks where I'm receiving messages, but I've had to have grace enough for myself and 
trust enough in the friendships that are sending messages. I just have to receive, I have no words. I don't even have an emotional capacity to respond or put something together. Mm -hmm. So I think giving with no strings, offering what you have, not what you wish you had. There have been people that have just like, they've just said, you know what? I was at the store and I grabbed a whole bunch of Topo Chico's because I know you love Topo Chico's. I'm just leaving them on your doorstep. I don't even want to see you. You don't have to, you know, whatever. Um, I think instead of like, I'd love to send you and Toby away for some kind of getaway or something. It's like, that's unrealistic. Like (laughs) it's more about the daily Um, and then follow the Holy Spirit. Also specifically food cards at the grocery store they love, or so many people are just like, Hey, I'm just sending you a coffee card. That's so life-giving their favorite restaurant or just midweek, just, Hey, you're on my mind. I just did this and I'm just giving it to you. Amazon cards say something and not to ignore what's happening or nor ignore what someone might, but just say, I don't know what to say. Yes. Yes. But I was at a wedding and a gal came up to me and she said, Carrie, I don't know what to say but I just want you to know, I've been thinking about you. And I was like, that makes two of us. So (laughs) I appreciate the value of that level of honesty and give away scripture. Just that is a free gift. Give it away. And it costs no money. Cause I think sometimes we're we're hindered by our time and our resources. We think, Oh, I don't have time to bake a casserole or I don't have the money to do this and that, but that's real. Pray. Yes. Just, you know how they say, throw joy or happiness around like confetti. I would say throw scripture around like confetti, Man, mm-hmm. write that stuff down, toss that stuff up and mail old school, put a stamp on it, mail. Awesome. I have a faithful, faithful, precious friend and her mother. It has been the most in over the course of seven months, I have gotten a mailed card, the most simplistic offering it is the most extravagant thing I feel like to me when I go to my mailbox and it is just a card and open it up. It's a scripture or maybe it's just, I saw a quote today or it literally says praying for, I love you. Something about that, just the time because it, you know, we don't have time, but that just shows like, Hey, I was thinking about you. And it's just like liquid gold to send something in a mailbox right now. (laughs) You're right. You're right. I mean, I still look forward to going to my mailbox always. And it's normally nothing. Why we love cards. Yeah. We're all living for Christmas. (laughs) But a card like that. I love it. Yeah. And then I think too, the last thing I would add just as a woman struggling, I know uh, maybe a lot of your audience will be mamas and Mm -hmm. As a woman, something that was really life-giving for me is that provisional care is great during seasons of just extreme medical crisis or suffering. I've learned a lot about how to give based on what I've been humble, you know, just we've been so blessed to get um, in this season. But one of the things that was so special is people in different overlapping circles would send flowers or they would just send really soft jammies or like a Mm. soft robe or candle or something that just reminds you of tenderness. Cause I think suffering, sometimes we forget that we're tender and cause we can just get hardened by the suffering. Yeah. Just, those are just some, some that I've experienced. So I love these practical ideas along just the cool wisdom in, in entering in with someone else and having, thinking about Jesus's inner circle and knowing who our people are and who, who we can be most vulnerable with. And it's okay if they think you're too needy, that's how, you know, really that those are your people, right? Yep. Uh, But then also to be met with people that are like, 
it is okay. And I think one of the greatest responses over and over again, just in this current season and any other season, right? This isn't the only, I mean, I feel like there've been mile markers where God has been putting wood on a fire of understanding suffering well and what that looks like. And it was just like MS was just the match that just struck Mm. and just really gave like, whoa, that all these building experiences to understand suffering well and what that looks like. And being able to just say with someone like that's two phrases, that's okay. And that's fair. That doesn't mean you as the receiving party don't have to understand it. I think we suffer well as a community of believers, when we separate ourselves from, I don't have to understand someone's suffering to engage with their suffering. Mm-hmm. I can simply just be available to just, man, that is difficult. That is hard. I can't imagine. But then also, like I said, give scripture away for free, not as like a, a like a lesson or like, right. you know, we're not giving like a suffering lesson, uh, but just like, Hey, I'm, I'm leaning in here. I'd love to lean in with you here. Pray the scripture. Yeah. But I think that what you said is so important because when we say it's okay, that's valid, that's fair. I think it gives permission to that person to know it's okay not to be okay. And so often that's not the message we get. We feel that we have to perform or put on that mask and be okay in order to be accepted. And so really to know from others that it's okay, you don't have to have it all together right now. So what a gift. I hate mm. that we're out of time because I, know, I think I, that the conversation could go on and on. I it's mean, you have so, just a wealth of wisdom. I love listening to you just talk and, mm. and teach, but are there any final words of encouragement that mm. you have for those who mm. are suffering or for when suffering comes? Because we know mm. that, that we are always going to encounter trials. We are. And I think, especially with the parents, maybe that might be going through suffering and, or their kiddos are going through suffering. I think I would just encourage open dialogue. I think that's the best, you know, and to not be afraid to share um, the spaces where suffering and invite um, your kids into understanding well, your process of suffering. Well, I also would really encourage people. If you haven't, if you're going through a season of suffering or you have someone that's suffering, build basically like a little canon of scripture that can speak truth over and over and over again. Um, just my quick progression is Psalms 118, 14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. First Peter 5, 10, he himself will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish. Second Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive. I just think if you can build some things where you're just quick when it's really rough or it feels really tumultuous, it just helps calm the storm Hmm. and, and that you're not alone. You really are not alone. That's fantastic. And I'm going to put those verses in the show notes so that others can, can go look those up before we go, where can people connect with you? Yeah. Um, I would carry trotter.com C A R I T R O T T E R.com. And then I love hanging out over at Instagram and it's just at Carrie Trotter. Would love to see you there, share pictures, life, a vulnerability. And that would be great. Awesome. Carrie, thank you. I just appreciate so much your vulnerability and your ability to point others to Christ. It's just was a joy, really. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor and a gift. Appreciate you, friend. Uh, absolutely. I trust that you found this conversation encouraging in a way that prompts you to be in community, to be vulnerable and be okay with admitting need. We were not made to suffer alone. And whatever that may look like, we need each other. Next episode will be the final one in this Not Alone series. I hope you will join me back to hear from my friend Meg Flowers on Don't Church Alone. 
To stay in the loop with all things Redemptive Parenting, be sure to follow Redemptive Parenting on Instagram. Until next time, grace and peace to you all.